I feel like we should pray. Just real simple, Jesus. Thank you for leaving heaven, coming down to be with us. And thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to be in us. We trust in you this morning. We recognize your presence with us. And we gather in your name. Continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Victory Point. My name is Matt, and I am humbled and honored to lead the staff family and the leadership family here at Victory Point and to be a part of family with all of you. My heart is full this morning. Um, Jenna and Elena, thank you so much uh, for challenging us and for encouraging us this morning. Um, I love seeing young people on the drums and leading us in song this morning. Like, I'm just so excited about the young people we have here at Victory Point. And uh, let's make sure we do a good job of raising up a generation that runs towards Jesus, that, that runs towards and into opportunities to have adventures in the kingdom of God and to represent and to, um, to bring the kingdom of God wherever they go. I love that we have parents that... Don't think twice about sending a middle schooler and a high schooler off to Africa on their own. I mean, sure, with some other people, but like kind of on their own. And uh, I love that about this church. And I love the, the support that everyone gave to that. And um, man, just you guys blessed me this morning and you bless us and you ignite us. And I think the, the best way to raise up a generation that, that chases after Jesus is to be people who chase after Jesus and give them a picture of that. So it's not just them, it's us. So uh, I'm just, my heart is full this morning. I mean, we could just go home right now and it'd be worthwhile. But obviously I'm going to speak for a little bit. Um, Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, um, I had the opportunity, the blessing to go to Florida for four days to get out of the cold of West Michigan and head down to Florida. My mom and stepfather have a house in Anna Maria Island and um, you know, I, I had set aside some time in my schedule like months and months ago to maybe do something to get away that week and hopefully that was going to be with Tori, but uh, with her job, she was not able to get away. So being a good husband, I went without her and, um, and I took my friend Crow back there uh, just on a last minute whim. We just went down to Florida for four days and uh, we, we fly into Clearwater, St. Pete, you know, and uh, I go up to the rental counter because I have a car rented. I rented the, the smallest, cheapest car I could find, a, a Kia Soul, man. I was excited about the Kia Soul that we were going to drive. And as I'm, I'm interacting with the guy at the counter, you've probably had this experience too, he tries to tempt me. He tries to tempt me into upgrading. He says, you know, like, I see you got a Kia Soul. I could put you in one of those new Jeep Gladiators for only $15 more a day. You could take the top off and you can have the sunshine in the open air. And I tell you, like, I stood there for five minutes weighing this. Like, well, he makes a good point. You know, it'd look way cooler if me and Crow were driving a Jeep Gladiator than a Kia Soul, you know, through Florida. And we could put the top down and... Um, I don't know, $15 a day, like, do I really want, I mean, we could take that money and we could go out for a nice dinner instead, and, like, uh, finally I resisted, I resisted, like, I don't care, I just need to get from here to there, it doesn't matter what I'm driving, 
I'm just going to get to the island and I don't need it anymore anyway. So uh, I resisted, but I was, I was really involved in a, in a temptation experience and situation. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about temptation. Um, it's not anything that's just unique to me in my experience. Like um, you know temptation. I know temptation. I deal with temptation every single day. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I was reading this week, just as I was thinking about this, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this about Jesus, um, talking about Jesus, who is our ultimate high priest. He says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are, yet he did not sin. And I'm like, Selah, like, wow, like that, can you imagine, can you imagine living your whole life being tempted in every way, every day, and never giving in, never caving, never sinning? I cannot imagine that kind of lifestyle, because every day I feel like I give in, and I cave, and I compromise, like, but Jesus, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus lived among us for 33 some years and he was faced with every kind of temptation that you and I face and he did not sin. We might be tempted to think temptation to sin wasn't a struggle for Jesus. I mean, after all, he was God. And that is true. He was God. He was also human. He was also of the flesh. Jesus brushed his teeth. Jesus would cut himself and bleed. Jesus experienced the, the, the cravings and the struggles of the flesh just like we do. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way. Just like we are. Yet he did not sin. He resisted. And today we're going to look at a specific story of Jesus being tested or tempted in the wilderness. And we're going to discover that the writer of Hebrews is correct. He was tempted in the exact kind of same ways that we are tempted. And we're also going to discover, hopefully, and learn from Jesus how to stand up to temptation and how the tools that he leveraged to resist temptation are available to us today. So that's where we're going. Let me pray. Father, as we open up this book, this book that is living and breathing and alive in way more than just a book, it is, it is a love story. It is a, a story of a God who um, loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us and to achieve victory for us. And, and so today we can raise a hallelujah over all of our temptations and, and we, can, we can seek to live the way Jesus lived. And I, I pray, Lord, that as we dive into this story that's probably familiar for many of us, that the Holy Spirit would come and in, in light on us and in, in fill us and overflow us to catch your heart, your love, your words, your desires and encouragements and even challenges for us today. And that it would fall on really good heart soil and it would take root and become fruit in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, I love 
how our Bible reading plan threaded together a whole bunch of themes this week. I really hope you are participating in the Bible reading plan as that we're participating in as a church that we're inviting you to participate in. If you want to participate in it, you can pick up um, just a, a guide either on the back tables or at the welcome table. You can access this through our Victory Point Facebook page. You can even sign up to have it emailed to you every day, like just a, a passage to read. And now, like Brendan shared with us last week, we even have a podcast And I listened to the podcast this week. And if you're not listening to the podcast, you should listen to the podcast. Um, What I like to do is I like to get up in the morning and I read the scripture and I wrestle with it for myself. What is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? And then when I drive in, I like to listen to the podcast. It takes like 10 minutes. You know, so if you have a commute that's longer than 10 minutes, you can easily listen to it every day. And Brendan is the host, and he's got this great radio voice. And he usually invites a guest to join him for the week, and they read through the passages. And each day you get to hear kind of what's grabbing their attention. And this week, Dwight was on the podcast with Brendan. And um, I was struck just as I read it and as I listened to it, um, just all the, the, the ways that it was very thematic. And that's intentional, of course. Um, but as we read through the, the Bible passages this week, we started out in Genesis 2 and 3 with a story of temptation. A story of temptation, Adam and Eve. And it, I, I think it's worth noting that temptation in and of itself is not sin because it was present in, in the garden before the fall. I mean, temptation in and of itself is not sin. It, it's the, the giving in to the temptation to sin where it becomes sin. But, but we had that story in Genesis 2 and 3 of the temptation that Adam and Eve faced and how they succumbed to that. And... Um, how sin entered the world. And then you read Psalm 32 and you read Psalm 51 on Tuesday and Wednesday and we're, we're reminded of the necessity and the importance of now that we're sinners of repenting from our sin and confessing our sin and naming it out loud. When we keep it inside of ourselves, it's like our bones are on fire and, and the, the hand of God is heavy upon us. Like the importance of, of releasing and confessing and repenting of our sin. And then we got to uh, Romans 5, which we'll talk about later in today's message, where you know, we're reminded that just like sin entered the world through the sin of, of one man, Adam, um, life also enters the world through the life of one man, Jesus, sort of the second Adam. And then we get to Friday's reading, um, Matthew 4. We end the week just like we began the week with a story of temptation, but this one has a way different outcome. This one has a way different result. Um, There's no giving in to temptation. That's what we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 4. But when we read read Genesis 2 and 3 and then we we read Matthew 4, we're reminded of something that's worth being reminded of. We're reminded that there is another player or there's another voice at work in our lives, in our stories. We, We don't live in a bubble but we live in a battle. We don't live in a bubble. We live in a battle. And there's a battle going on for our stories. Peter describes our enemy this way. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our enemy goes by the name of Satan or Lucifer. He's a tempter. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a devourer. He's a destroyer, and he's on a mission to sabotage our stories. 
And this morning, we're going to read from Friday's reading, like I said, Matthew 4. So if you have a Bible device, find Matthew 4. And just to give you context, this is the story of Jesus in the desert or the wilderness. Jesus is in the desert and he's battling the enemy. And Satan throws three temptations at Jesus. And, it, and what we're going to discover is they're the exact kind of temptations that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. They're the exact kind of temptations that Israel faced throughout their, their journey with God. They're the exact kind of temptations that Jesus faced, and they're the exact kinds of temptations that we deal with in our lives. Now, just before this story that we're about to read in Matthew chapter 4, if you go back to Matthew chapter 3, you, you remember Jesus was, he went through the waters of baptism, Okay, Jesus went through the waters of baptism where his father reminded him of who he was, reminded him of his identity. Okay, so that's what happened just prior to this. Now, if you were to read Luke's version of, of this story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, a couple of things I want to just draw attention to in Luke's version of this story. He says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness, and that he as he went into the desert, into the wilderness, that he was filled with the Spirit. He went into this, this story filled with the Spirit. But then when you get through it and you come out on the other side of it, Luke tells us that Jesus then leaves the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, which I think is worth taking note of. Jesus enters into the wilderness experience filled with the Holy Spirit, but then he leaves that experience in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's interesting to note that um, all of Jesus' miracles took place after this. All of the power that, that, that he um, put on display in, in the kingdom of God took place after this. It was post-wilderness. And I just think there's something about how we face testing, temptation, and trial that determines whether we live in power or not. There's something about how we stand up to testing and temptation and trial that determines whether we live in power or not in our lives. And, and I think that's worth paying attention to. So if you have your Bible, I'm just going to read the story. We're going to dive right into it. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. In, in Luke's version, it's also in Luke chapter 4. But we're going to read from Matthew's version because that's what we read on Friday in our Bible reading plan. So I'm going to pay attention to that. All right, here's the story. Right after his baptism, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Biggest understatement in the Bible, right? He, he didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights, so Matthew wants us to understand he was hungry. He's hungry. The tempter, Satan, came to him and said... If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It's also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me or honor me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. And in Luke's version it says, you know, the devil is now waiting for another opportunity to come back and tempt Jesus. So if you got a note card this morning when you, when you came in, you usually get a handout, has some announcements, some reminders on it. On the back is where you could take notes if you're a note taker. I'm going to invite you to take notes this morning. I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff. And uh, I'm actually going to ask you to maybe draw a triangle on your notes, okay? If you hang around Victory Point for any period of time, you will soon catch on that in our discipleship language and in, in, in the way we try to remember truths and principles from the scriptures, we use shapes, life shapes. We, we, we call them life shapes. We use shapes to help us remember important things. And uh, this morning, we're going to use a triangle um, to help us understand this story. So um, I'd encourage you to draw a triangle and maybe put these words on the points of the triangle. Approval, appetite, and ambition. All right? And, and what I want to suggest this morning is that the temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness, in the desert, um, are the same temptations that we face in our wilderness and desert times. And, and often, when you get underneath and to the root of these temptations, they often come from three areas, three bases, you know, three foundations. And I want to talk about them this morning. But first, I want to qualify by saying this. Appetite, approval, ambition are not bad things. They're not bad things. As a matter of fact, they are God-given, God-wired things. And especially when they're experienced under his rule and reign, they're beautiful. I mean, just think back with me to the, to the creation story. Think back to Genesis 1, 28 and 29. God gives the very first man and first woman his approval. He creates them in his image. He, he, he gives them his approval. Like, you, you are like me. We, we, you are in community and in relationship with me. God defined for, he, he, he satisfied their appetites. He said, all these trees, all these plants that you see around you, I give them to you to satisfy your appetites. I, I give you good things to satisfy those, those God-created things. And then he also defined their ambition for them. He says, this garden, I want you to rule in work, in reign over, in partnership with me. God gives them approval. He satisfies their appetite and he directs their ambition. Or if you think about like Jesus's baptism right before this story we just read. I mean, think about the words that the father speaks over his son, Jesus. Um, he says, this is my son. Okay, this is my son. He, he, he's, he's reminding the son of his approval. Man, you're my son. I love you. I will provide and satisfy for all of your needs, for all of your appetites. I am well pleased with you in your obedience to, to what you are there for. You know, he, he, he gives Jesus approval and, he, and he, in, in his own way, indirectly, he's promising, I will satisfy and take care of all your needs and, and I will, you know, direct your path, your mission, your ambition. So when it's from God and when it's for God, things like appetite and approval and ambition are good. 
But remember this passage. We have an enemy prowls around like a lion seeking to devour and to destroy and to dismantle the good things of God and to distort them. And you'll see that represented in these temptations. So I just want to break these down really quickly and and just understand the root of all these temptations that Jesus faced and that we face. So the first one, um, let's talk about appetite. Let's talk about appetite. Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's hungry. Notice the first thing the enemy does is he tries to attack and challenge Jesus' identity. Like, if you are the Son of God, I mean, if, if you're really the Son of God, prove it. And he tries to hit Jesus where he perceives Jesus' most immediate and biggest need is in that moment. And that is, he's hungry. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. So Satan tempts him, you know, why don't you turn these stones into bread so you can eat them? And the temptation is, and maybe you just want to jot this down next to appetite on the lower right corner of your triangle. Write this down. Here's the temptation. Here's the base temptation Satan is tempting Jesus with. To become his own provider. He's tempting Jesus to become his own provider. Jesus is hungry. And that need must be satisfied. So Satan is tempting Jesus to take matters into his own hands, literally, and to become his own provider. And the issue that we deal with when we deal with temptations of appetite are the issues of need versus satisfaction. So just like as you think back into the garden to that temptation, Satan comes along and he whispers into Eve's ear, did God really say that? Like, did he really say that? Like, oh, you're not going to die. As a matter of fact, you're going to become like him. And suddenly, for the first time, Eve's eyes are opened and she sees the tree of this, this forbidden tree and this forbidden fruit. And she suddenly sees, oh, that's good. That's, that's good to my eyes. And, or that's good for food and that's pleasing to my eyes. And, and she gives in. And she starts to think, well, maybe God doesn't really know what I need right now. Or maybe he's not really enough. I know what I need. I need that fruit. Satan's trying to get Jesus like, what you really need right now, buddy, is some food. So just provide for yourself. You know, take it into your own hands. I mean, it, I can't help but I, I think of me and every time I, I try fasting. I, I've admitted before, like, it's not a discipline I've practiced regularly. I'm really trying harder to introduce that into my life recently I'm getting better at it but like I'm kind of a cranky ornery faster like like I, I, I get focused on my hunger and and then I I'm not you know I don't really care about other people I just want that need satisfied and and I could be trying to resist it and I can be driving around and I can go to the gas station and get some gas and I can walk in and you see those hot dogs just rolling around on those rollers <laughs> things that you would never eat suddenly like those might be the best hot dogs you could probably eat, you know, like, like it's just, it's, it's such a, a battle of temptation. And, and um, David Rhodes, who's taught me some things about th- this whole, like, uh, these themes, um, he, he, he shared a quote from Dallas Willard that I found, like, really powerful. It says, Dallas Willard once said about fasting, if you're hungry when you're fasting, you're not really fasting. Which tells me, like, I've never really gotten deep into fasting because I, I haven't broken through that often, you know, beyond the hunger part. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. 
you know, and Satan is tempting him to give in, to, to cave in. Just like, remember that story of, of Esau, when Esau gave up his birthright for some stew because he was famished? You know, like, like Satan attacks you where your immediate needs are, and he wants you to take matters into your own hands to satisfy. And it's not always food. I mean, it could be anything that falls under the category of appetite. It could be money, sex, anything that the flesh craves and desires. All the things that we think we need and, and we're tempted to become our own provider for those needs and own satisfier of those needs. It's the issue of need and satisfaction. And too often, our appetites, when we allow them, they sabotage us. They, they sabotage our story and they lead us into places we don't want to go. And um, it can often go to two extremes, to two ditches or, or, or two gutters. You know, on the one hand, like it, it can really go out of control into greed and, and want. Or it might become like a, a scarcity mentality. Or it might be gluttony. And then on the opposite ditch is an eating disorder. Both are issues of appetite. Um, materialism. You know, or, or like, a, like, like, just, like I said, a poverty mentality. Satan just loves it when we can just keep jumping from one ditch to the other, from one gutter to the other. So, so there's, there's the issue of the temptation revolving around appetite. And Jesus' response, it's written, I'm not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from my Father. My Father will provide. My Father will satisfy my needs, and so he resists. So the ta- Satan takes another swing at it. Takes another swing at it. He, he takes him up to the highest point uh, on the temple. He says, just throw yourself off, because it's written, because now Satan's quoting scripture, because he knows scripture. Um, he, it's, it's written that, that God will command his angels, you know, to catch you. And, and I think what, what Satan is trying to say is like, like just like throw yourself off that will be a great launch into your public ministry, okay? That will be epic. Like, people will talk about that. Like, if, if you throw yourself off and, and they see angels come and catch you, that's going to be amazing. Everyone's going to like you, and you don't have to be misunderstood. You know, it can be very clear who you are and where you're from. So write this down. This is the temptation. Write this down next to approval. The temptation, the base temptation that Satan is tempting Jesus with is... To become who everyone wants him to be. To become who everyone wants him to be. To become the Messiah that they all want. The powerful Messiah who's going to kick Romans' butt and, and restore Israel. Become, like, show that power right now. Become who everyone wants you to be. And the issues when it comes to approval is acceptance versus rejection. How many times in your life I know it's true in my life. When our need, our perceived need to be accepted, to be liked, to be approved, sabotages our story. Because we become focused on getting everyone to like us. And, and, and just like with um, appetite, the, the, the two ditches or the, the, the two gutters that we ping pong back and forth between, it, it's, you know, whether it's the person who like, seeks to be liked by everybody to the other side where someone's like, I don't care what anybody thinks. And I don't give a dang what anybody thinks. They're both issues of approval. One is like, I'm going to do anything I can to get everybody to accept me, to get him or her to love me. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that. 
or I'm just going to reject everybody so that nobody hurts me. They're both issues of approval gone awry, you know, gone off the tracks. And we, we start to bounce between this track and that track. Jesus' response, you know, Satan knows Scripture. Jesus knows Scripture. Jesus knows all the Scriptures. It's in him. And, and um, Satan's trying to distort Scripture. Jesus has a big view of Scripture, and, and he doesn't allow Satan to twist it. His response is, it is written, don't put God to the test. I'm not going to put my father to the test that way. And so Satan takes another swing at it, this time in the area of ambition. Ambition. Notice, you know, here's what Satan says. It takes him up to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, all this I will give you if you will just bow down and worship me or or honor me or acknowledge my my standing as the prince of this world. And I have all these kingdoms that I can give to you, Jesus. And I love it. Jesus doesn't argue with Satan. He, he, he doesn't, like, I mean, Satan's trying to give the world to the king of the universe, you know. And, and Jesus is like, he doesn't argue, like, yeah, it kind of looks like, you know, you, you've got some control over all these things. Um, but, but, he, but he resists. And, and the temptation in the area of ambition is this. Write this down next to ambition. The temptation is to get to a justified end by any means necessary. To get to a justified end by any means necessary. And the issues that that come along with this area of temptation are the issues of strength versus weakness. So for Jesus, the temptation really that Satan is suggesting is get the kingdom without the cross. Take a shortcut. Bypass the cross. I give you all these kingdoms. Go the easy way. Jesus wants his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth. Satan's just suggesting, why don't you just take the easy way out, the shortcut. You know, it's the kind of stories like we read in the news. Have you been following the story of the Houston Astros? Right? In the Houston Astros, which is a Major League Baseball team, obviously in Houston, uh, it's, been, it's been discovered that in 2017 and 2018, they cheated. Can you believe it? A sports team cheated. They cheated using a really technical, like, advanced technology and then, like, a really simple, like, sort of drumbeat to communicate. And, and they won the World Series, like, in 2017, right? Wasn't it? And um, they, like, to, to bypass just winning the old-fashioned way and, and to, to get to a justified means by, get justified end by any means necessary. Adam and Eve took the shortcut. We're deceived, thinking, we want to be like God. We want to decide for ourselves what's right and wrong for our lives. They forgot who they were, made in the image of God. They decide to take the shortcut to get to an end by any means necessary. And the two ditches or gutters um, for ambition, uh, you know, on the one extreme, you, you have the workaholics. I mean, I'm just going to achieve as much as I can by working as hard as I can. Or you have like the people who are just apathetic. You know, like both are issues of ambition. Jesus' response, he refuses to take the shortcut. He refuses to take the easy way out. 
You know, this came back around to him again, didn't it, at Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, if there's any other way, like, to do this without going to the cross, like, let's do it. But not my will, but your will be done. Obedience. Obedience. Now, my experience is, just zooming back out now, my experience is that while all of us face all three of these kinds of temptations, most of us especially struggle with one of these as a core temptation in particular. So as you just think about this, as you hear this, like, what's, what's grabbing you? Like, was there one of those three words that, like, oh, that's me. That's my weakness. That's where I am tempted, you know, to, to sin. For me, I, I think it's approval. Matter of fact, I don't think it. I kind of know it. Like, it's, it's important to me sometimes. Like, you know, I, I stress, like, oh, what are they going to think about this message? You know, are they going to like me? You know, and, and, and then I, I think when, it, uh, when I get really wayward in that area of temptation, then I, I think that's my core issue. I think my presenting issue is then I'll just jump into appetite, you know, to, to kind of compensate for it. I'll just, like, just, um, you know, satisfy the flesh or go, like, just get a whole bunch of, like, like noodles, and just, like, enjoy them, you know, or something. You know, like, like, you know, like we, I think we all have, like, our, our core temptations, our core base issues. But sometimes we have, like, the presenting ones that become, you know, where, where we dive into. And, and our enemy, the devil, he, he's on the prowl, you guys. He's on the prowl seeking to distort and destroy all these good things that God has given us. He's in the shadows. He's in the darkness. He's trying to invite us into the darkness. So, so like, uh, an example of maybe, like, a... A, a, sh- a shadow triangle, okay? Let me just throw three more words up here, then we'll kind of move towards a close. But three more words up here that I just want to put up there um, where, where Satan just kind of tries to whisper and, and, and get at us and bring us down. Um, you know, so that when, when it comes to appetite, you know, he loves to get us to be fearful, to, to think, I'll never have enough. I'll never have enough. Or when it comes to approval, that I think one of his weapons is shame. He loves it when we can start to feel shame about ourselves. And, and you know, the, the whisper is, you'll never be good enough. You'll never be enough. Or when it comes to ambition, I, I think the whisper there is, like, like you'll never accomplish enough. And, and then we begin to feel guilty because we'll never get enough. We'll never get enough. And, and it's interesting, we're going to have an Enneagram workshop this weekend. There's also some shadow sides to that that, that really, I think, really mirror, you know, these things. Um, they, they use words like, you know, gut and heart and head as different words. So if you come to that, you might catch some of the, the shadow sides of, of how we're wired and, and what we're tempted by and what we, um, you know, kind of go after sometimes in our unhealthiness. Now, re- remember Hebrews 4.15 that we started this message with. Jesus was tempted in every way, but he resisted. He did not sin. And because of that, because of his resistance, that that gave him the power by which he lived by and by which we can live by. So I I don't want to just leave us with this this morning. I want to also remind us of the gospel. I want to remind us of the good news, the good news. And and again, I I want to just quote my... My, my friend Dave Rhodes, who uh, I had the pleasure of, of meeting years ago when, when we started a, a journey with 3DM, and, um, but, but he says this, and I, I just loved this. He said this. He said, what Jesus resisted in the wilderness personally, he later defeated on the cross permanently. What Jesus resisted in the wilderness personally, 
he later defeated on the cross permanently, once and for all. What he defeated on the cross then determines the power that we can live by. And the way that Jesus defeated all this on the cross is he took it all. He absorbed it all into him on the cross. So on the cross, Jesus becomes needy. Jesus becomes needy. He, he can't even like get a drink by himself. Someone has to offer him a drink. He becomes needy. But in his need, our sin is satisfied. On the cross, Jesus becomes rejected. They hurled insults at him. They spit on him. He becomes rejected. But in his rejection, we find acceptance. The curtain was torn in two. We now have access to God directly. On the cross, Jesus becomes weak. He dies. You can't get any more weaker as a human being than, than death. Jesus becomes weak. Because of his weakness, we now are strong. We now are strong. Jesus absorbed all of our sin. He absorbed all of our fear, all of our guilt, all of our shame. And he turns it into forgiveness, into life, into power, which is what we read about on Thursday in Romans 5. Like through one person, all this, you know, kind of went to crap. And through one person, we get life. And we have victory. And we have power in Jesus. To the point where it says this. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. No temptation has overtaken you, has seized you, except what is common to man. We, we, we all face the types of temptations we all face. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The, the, ultimately, the cross and the resurrection is the way out. That is the ultimate way out. But I also think there's some things we can practically learn from Jesus in this story, in his wilderness experience on how to face temptation and how to resist temptation in our day-to-day. And I'm just going to draw out three quick things that you can take with you. Okay, three quick things. What do we learn from Jesus on how to resist temptation? Well, number one, Jesus stood firm on his identity. He stood firm in his identity. Okay? Like, remember, right before this, at his baptism, the father said, I want to remind you, Jesus, who you are. You're my son. I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Even before he's done any miracles and stuff, he has the pleasure and the delight of his father. And that's what he takes with him into the wilderness. And that's what he stands on when he resists the enemy. Satan's trying to, like, to pull him down and in, to attack his identity. Like, if you are the son, if you're really the son... You know, and, and, and Jesus doesn't budge because he knows who he is. He knows he already has. He doesn't have to work for the Father's approval because he already has it. The Father already directs his ambition. The Father meets all his needs. He knows who he is and what he has. We have that same power available to us as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus. If you have given your life to Christ and you are a child of God, you have that same authority and um, identity that Jesus has. 
and you can stand on it and you can claim it. And sometimes when temptation comes, maybe that's exactly what you need to do. I am a son and daughter of the Most High King. He loves me and he's pleased with me. Away from me, Satan. Which leads to number two. Jesus stood on the word of God. Jesus used scripture. It is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus knew the scripture. He had the word of God in him. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. If you want to have a chance of resisting temptation and standing up to temptation, you need the word of God in you. You need to be into the word of God. Maybe a good start for you is to start with us on our Bible reading plan. Just daily put the word of God in you and then bring it up in those moments when you need it. Like it is written. Like Jesus knew like he could quote like it is written, don't put God to the test. You know, in, in, right there, I put it up there, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Claim that in moments of temptation. You know, claim that. Like, like Satan, I submit to God and I resist you in Jesus' name. You have no choice but to leave me. You have no choice but to flee. And then Jesus, he fasted. He fasted. Now, we might be tempted to think that denying yourself of something for that long probably made Jesus weak, but I'm here to suggest I think it's what made him strong. It's what made him strong in that moment. Like, he had denied himself for 40 days, like, of food, and instead filled himself for 40 days with the Father. Filled himself for 40 days with the Word of God. Filled himself for 40 days with intimacy and relationship with the Father. You don't think that empowered him? To resist the enemy? I mean, we're, we're Lent started on Wednesday of this past week. And, and Lent is this season in the church calendar where we kind of turn our focus with Jesus towards the cross. And we sort of journey with Jesus, you know, in these 40 days, kind of 40 plus days because you don't count the Sundays, um, towards Good Friday and the cross. And, and then with anticipation towards resurrection on Easter. But, but Lent is, is tied to this 40 days in the wilderness where Jesus fasted. And, and often people do that. They, they give up something for Lent. I want to invite you um, to consider fasting during Lent. To consider some form of fasting during Lent. Not just giving up something, but in, you know, taking that, that time that would be spent with something else and filling yourself with the Word of God and filling yourself with time with God. And, and if you want to take a, a swing at that. Maybe you're, you're, you're kind of new at fasting. Like I said, I am, but I'm, I'm really starting to make it a weekly discipline in my life, trying to shoot for like a, like a, a sundown to sundown, you know, the same day each week. Um, I put some resources on those back tables here in the auditorium, and there's just a, a one-page, like if, if you're new to fasting and, and you want some ideas on, on what it is and how to start, I'd encourage you to grab one of those. I want to invite the band forward. Um, we're just going to conclude a time this morning with some worship and, and at the table. Um, I just want to put this, uh, this back up again. If we can... I just want to invite you, be, before we walk out of here, be, before we move, move away from this moment, and we'll never get this moment back again, to just pause a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit in us, like, What is God speaking to you right now? In this moment, what is God speaking to you right now? 
what's getting your attention is one of these words or one of these phrases speaking to you this morning, maybe convicting you this morning. Maybe there's an awareness growing of a battle that you've been battling for so long and, and maybe, maybe this, you got a little bit of insight this morning as to where that comes from. Or, or, or maybe it's grabbing on to a tool of resistance you know, because you want to live in obedience and you want to live in victory and you're tired of, of, of living a defeated life. You crave that power that Jesus seemed to have when he, when he resisted and then came out in the power of the Holy Spirit and lived his life in power. What's God saying to you this morning? And what are you going to do about it? Pray with me, please. Lord, we're reminded this morning of these words. No temptation has seized any of us except what is common to all of us, except what was also common to Adam and Eve, what was also common to Israel, what was also common to the Son of God. Yet the Son of God did not sin. And he is our way out. He has provided the way out through his life and death and resurrection. And Lord, we stand today firmly on the the truth that scripture says that if we submit ourselves to God and we resist the enemy, he has to flee. We stand on our identity as children of God We've been bought with a price. We've been purchased through the blood and body of Jesus. And we have the same power in us now that Jesus exhibited in the wilderness. Teach us to to wield it, to access it, to stand on it, to stand on your word, and to live lives of power, of signs and wonders. miracles and breakthrough may it be so in the name of Jesus amen